This is your Olympic hero and former WWE champion, Kurt Angle. And I just wanted to give a shout out to my guys, Clint and Noah. When it comes to covering sports, there is no one better. And believe me, that's true. It's damn true. Kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine right, jet flying, son of a gun. I am the best in the world at what I do. Gentlemen, you are the top 1%. The elite. Best of the best. But the queen will rise to the top, oh yeah. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. You are now listening to the Elite Sports Podcast. Brought to you by Mo Sports in Liberty, the pinnacle of hard-hitting sports talk, featuring weekly expert analysis and top-notch interviews. And now, please welcome your hosts, Clint Schweitzer and Noah Groniger. This is the Elite Sports Podcast, and we are styling and profiling, just like our buddy, the Nature Boy Ric Flair, at the onset, Noah Groniger. Alongside Clint Schweitzer here, and buddy, we it's football season, so obviously we are in a much different place mentally, physically. Spiritually. Well, definitely spiritually, yes. <laughs> as we have been out running the gauntlet from Nashville to Texas A&M to Ole Miss last week. Buddy, we're running the gambit, and uh, we're off and running, and this has been really just a treat and uh, a whirlwind for us thus far this season. It has been. I like how you said that, to Nashville to Texas A&M, to Ole Miss. Like I didn't say Vanderbilt. Yeah, because we, we weren't really there for Vanderbilt. We were there for Nashville, the experience, Broadway. But we're taking college football by storm this year, going to a different SEC game every weekend for our film, Saturday Supremacy. And it's, it's been whirlwind, field passes galore, press box. It has been amazing. Yeah, it really has been. And you guys can follow all of our progress on this documentary, uh, SaturdaySupremacy.com. We're loving every bit of it. And here we are doing this podcast, the Elite Sports Podcast, because we believe that it is uh, the best when it comes to bringing you interviews, bringing you guests each and every week during this football season and beyond. This is what we do. Um, really, you know, this is what gets me going when we bring on guests like we are today to really delve into the topics. Uh, we have none other than NFL.com's Jeffrey Chidea coming on to talk about the Chiefs, the NFL, everything to do uh, with professional football. It's going to be right here in our first segment. Then we're going to be joined by none other than broadcaster, ESPN broadcaster Steve Levy, going to be joining us to talk about uh, the Mizzou-Georgia game, which we will also be covering in Columbia, Missouri this Saturday. So things just getting started for us. There is no time to sit here and uh, eat and watch great things on the couch for us, buddy. Bummer. <laughs> no, but it's been great out there catching all this college football. Going to be great to talk to Jeffrey Chidea about everything in the NFL because we've kind of missed a little bit as we're driving home from these places on Sunday. We do have Sunday NFL ticket. We've got the computer, the laptop open in the car, connected to a hotspot on our phone, and we are still catching the action, just not quite as great as, as sitting it, on it, the couch hey. with nacho dip, cheese dip. and It's still in HD, but we're hitting some problems going through some of those Arkansas hills. stuff. So when you got to go travel around to these SEC places, a lot of times you're going through the hills of Arkansas, the hills of Tennessee, you know, the mountains of Georgia. So it's a bit of a, a task when you've got Sunday ticket. And the problem with going to so many football games is 
missing so many football games. You know, everyone's talks about well, what a dream it is and out there and it is. It's a wonderful, you know, but man, I've missed so many games as a result. But here we are, we're dealt, you know, during the week we get to delve back into it, go back and watch the games we missed, break down all the action. Going to be talking about Drew Locke, his Heisman chances, uh, Missouri's chances to win this game against Georgia right now probably doesn't look good considering Missouri has never beaten a top five team uh, as an unranked team themselves. They got that opportunity. Missouri, I stress that word, Barry Odom has had a lot of opportunities. Here's another one to knock off and, and get a signature win, something he doesn't have as coach of the Tigers. I think they can do it. They've got to have these explosive plays. They can't miss on them. They've got to hit them when Drew Locke launches that ball downfield like only he can do. He's got to hit on them. They've got to create big plays. They've got to create some turnovers on defense somehow. They're going to have to be solid and execute on special teams. It's going to have to be a 100% almost perfect effort to knock off Georgia. They're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster, and they're more talented. But Missouri has the better quarterback, the electric quarterback, maybe a Heisman Trophy candidate and winner. We're going to have to see if Drew Locke can slay the giant that is Georgia. Yeah, Missouri only has win-win against Georgia since the, joining the SEC in 2012, but a couple of close games. We were at one of them uh, in Athens a couple of years ago, 9-6. to six. It's going to be a little different. It's not going to be 9-6 to six <laughs> this weekend. But uh, If it is, that doesn't say good things for Missouri. I don't want to take away from Jake Fromm because he's completing right now 80% of his passes. Granted, Georgia's, you know, their road to hose on the ground. We saw what uh, Evander Holyfield's son, Elijah Holyfield's doing, leading the team in rushing right now with 200 yards. You got DeAndre Swift, James Cook. That's where Georgia's going to make their money is on the ground. Uh, they don't have a sack yet on defense. That's going to favor Missouri. If you don't have a sack, you can't get to Drew Locke. That's going to be a problem. So I do see this as a high-scoring game. We saw Missouri have to pull one out late against Purdue, giving up. I mean, Missouri and the Kansas City Chiefs are the same team. We're going to talk to Jeff Chadia about the Chiefs' woeful defense, giving up two, you know, a thousand yards in two games. We're going to also talk about the electrifying, the sensational, the jaw-dropping Patrick Mahomes, Noah, the quarterback that we've waited thirty-four and thirty-three years, respectively. Almost a little older in December, but <laughs> we've waited this long for this quarterback, and it's come to fruition. And through two games, I'm dazzled. I'm in. I, there, to me, the sky's the limit, and we're going to see what Jeff thinks about the Chiefs as a possible contender in the AFC. That we are, and I don't know if we've been waiting 34 and 33 years, maybe more like I don't, 32 and 31 years, because we had Joe Montana for two years. I wasn't clamoring for a young quarterback at that time. I was enjoying the Montana magic, but ever since then, ever before then, I have been wanting this quarterback, dreaming about it. We could have had Dan Marino instead. Oh, we chose Todd Blackledge. Bummer. Well, here we are. The Chiefs are the talk of the NFL after going on the road and getting two huge wins. There's a lot of surprises. Uh, you, you've got the, the, the Los Angeles Rams that just look like world beaters through two weeks. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, my goodness, what Ryan Fitzmagic. And we're going to talk to Chidea about <laughs> certainly about uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, man, and what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have done. Surprises negatively. The Seattle Seahawks look just dreadful. The Pittsburgh Steelers, New England Patriots, uh, the Steelers haven't won a game yet. They're 0-1-1. Man, that's tough to when you Factoring in ties, just, man, I can't even, my brain can't even wrap around <laughs> they have it. They the same record as the Browns. Oh, my goodness. Maybe that's a surprise in a positive way. Of course, they don't have a win, but uh, two near victories, one of which was a tie. That's for the Browns that were 0-16 last year. Now they can't go 0-16. 0-15-1 well, is still in, the, in play here. Well, before we get to our interview with NFL.com's Jeffrey Chidea, we've got to tell you about our sponsors. We will catch you on the other side. Most Sports and Liberty, your one-stop shop for authentics, apparel, and gifts. Shop Most Sports off Cedar Avenue in Kansas City. Call 816-781-3393. 
or visit shopmosports.com. Most Sports and Liberty, your one-stop shop for Mizzou, Royals, Sporting KC, Authentics, Apparel, and Gifts. Uh, hey, Jeff, it's Clinton Noah, man. How you doing? Good. How you guys doing? Uh, we're doing great. It's uh, it's great to hear from you again. Great to follow up with you again, man. Uh, season's off and running. I guess everybody's happy. We're, we're back to football, and uh, things, are, things are off and running, aren't they, my man? Exactly. That's exactly what's happening. It's, uh, as always, the first couple weeks, first month, it always seems like it's just a roller coaster going on. Got to settle in for it now. Well, speaking of roller coasters, let's start there with uh, the Kansas City Chiefs here. And you wrote an article um, after the Chiefs went over the Steelers about uh, Patrick Mahomes, the offense, and, the, and the, of course the Chiefs' woeful defense. Let's start with with them because through two weeks, I mean, I don't think anyone could have seen this coming. Uh, Ten touchdowns, no interceptions. Patrick Mahomes, the AFC Offensive Player Week two, uh, of the Week, two weeks in a row. What are you seeing from his game through the first two weeks that maybe that, that you didn't expect, that you didn't think he would have yet? Uh, you know, early in his career. Well, I think just the poise, the uh, the savvy, the uh, the discipline. You know, it uh, it's interesting because you, we, there's been so much talk about that year he spent on the sidelines and waiting for his opportunity and working with Alex Smith. And you know, you see all the physical tools, but then you also see the discipline that Alex brought to the game. You know, the the, the veteran experience, the sense of how to manage an offense. And so I, I think he was, I think if you ask a lot of people about Patrick Mahomes, there was this idea that he was going to just come in here and be slinging the ball over the place. And it was going to be, you know, wild plays, crazy plays. And what it's really been is very, very controlled explosiveness. And I didn't see that coming at all. Well, Jeff, we've had you on the show for about five years now. Did you ever think there'd be a time you'd come on and not hear us complain about the quarterback? <laughs> Uh, well, I was never a big complainer. I was one of those guys who defended Alex Smith. So yeah, I always felt yeah. like he kind of got him a fun rap in the, in the deal as far as just what he did and how he carried himself. And I've, I've always had a lot of respect for him. But um, but I, I do see, um, you know, I see a lot of Patrick in – I see a lot of Alex in Patrick. And not just the way he plays, but just the way he carries himself. Um, he's kind of a homebody. He's, he's you know, he's, he talked about celebrating his birthday with his girlfriend. He was watching film and he ordered takeout. And so – for a 23-year-old guy to be, you know, the toast of the NFL right now, a lot of players, and, and believe me, I've seen it, even with Tom Brady, would have an entourage. He'd be out on the town. <laughs> They'd be enjoying their, their 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 newfound success and soaking it in. And he's really, you know, he's, he's his nose to the grindstone. He's, he's in his books, and he's just trying to be better every day. Jeff, the 2017 draft saw Mitch Trubisky go number one, uh, followed by Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs moved up to get him. Then, of course, Deshaun Watson goes to the Texans. Coming out, uh, those three quarterbacks coming out in 2017, how would you have have, uh, rated them at that point and kind of now, here we are very early in this, but kind of where do you see them now versus what you saw them coming out, uh, you know, out of the draft? Well, certainly Mahomes is – thrust himself into a position where he is the most talked about. But, you know, uh, Deshaun Watson had a really good year last year until he tore his ACL, and, and Trubisky is third on that list right now. If you go back to where they were, um, you know, when they got drafted, you know, it's easy to look back and say, why didn't Mahomes go first? But people forget that he was a very raw talent at the time. 
Um, the book on him was that he was a high-risk, high-reward player that he was going to need a year to sit. And, and I do think that if he had played last year, it wouldn't have been as pretty as it is now. And, and so he's had the benefit of sitting, having Andy Reid in his corner, having a team put a lot of weapons around him. You know, the two guys had to play early last year, and that can always skew the way people think about things. But I, I'm not down on Mitch Trubisky at all. I, I always tell people that, it's really easy to want to rank people or compare people. And I've always believed that every quarterback is on their own journey in the NFL. Like they have to figure out, you know, what's best for them, how they can win games, how they can get played to the best of their ability. And so and after Alex Smith had to learn, you know, you look at the start of his career and certainly nobody would have said he would have ended up where he is now. So I'm not down on Trubisky at all. I think Patrick has shown he's got great potential, but, Trust me, Patrick's going to have plenty of issues as well to deal with at some point. Every quarterback in this league, good or bad, struggles at some point. Yeah, well, it looks like the Chiefs made a great decision in that trade, trading Alex Smith away to the Redskins and letting Patrick Mahomes uh, take take a lead with the Kansas City Chiefs. But the bad trade that they might have made is Marcus Peters. This defense is really <laughs> struggling. You look at uh, Eric Berry, Justin Houston, two of the uh, – Highest-paid players on the team haven't made a play all year. At least Eric Berry has an excuse. He's injured. Justin Houston's on the field, has two solo tackles, mm-hmm. five combined tackles, no other stat. He has registered. <laughs> Is it that bad? Wow. I, I, I would look at the whole unit. So I, to, to break it up like that, it sounds even worse, which is amazing. But, yeah, if you had said – if you had said to me they would give up a 1,000 yards in the first two games and they would allow 65 points, they would give up more first downs than any team in the NFL and that um, they would have you know, let Philip Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger throw for whatever, 424 and 475 against them. I, was, I, was, I would have said they'd be 0-2. There'd be no way that they'd be 2-0 and right now. So that's the positive in this, that they are their offense is so explosive right now and they're starting so fast and they're getting great special teams play that it's mitigating what they're doing on defense. And, and they're going to have to keep playing that way all season. There was no no question in anybody's mind that the Chiefs were going to have to win a lot of shootout games, and that's what we've seen so far. Um, I just think it's hard to sustain that over the course of an entire season consistently. Unfortunately for the Chiefs, their answer to losing Marcus Peters was signing a free agent corner from the Oakland Raiders, David Amerson. And unfortunately, during training camp and preseason, they decided he was so atrocious, they just had to outright cut him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's about sums it up there. Um, and, and I actually, uh, actually saw Brett Beach, the Chief GM, before the Steelers game. We were talking about some of the off-season moves and things that had happened, and he he made the point that looked um, they they felt that Marcus it was going that direction last year before the season ended, so they knew they were going to have to make some kind of move. He didn't want to be here, uh, wasn't going to re-up with them, and that had been a long, but a long fight. So they felt they had to just cut their losses and. We talked about just why they didn't make more moves in free agency and why they you know, put the money into Sammy Watkins and it's Anthony Hitchens and his comeback was that, well, we were going to spend money, a lot of money, so we wanted to spend it on players that we believed in. That they, they didn't think the cornerback market was strong enough to invest in players. They didn't want to like invest in a player like David Amerson with big money and then have it not work out. So that's sort of their strategy right now. Um, that doesn't help right now <laughs> what's on the field. they got some issues in the back end, some major issues. Well, last thing on the Chiefs, where does that put them? Obviously, this is a polarizing team right now, as polarizing as you can get in this league. Um, where, where does this put them going forward? Because uh, obviously, you, you know, coming out of this uh, 2-0 and with these two tough road games, and uh, obviously a lot of tough games to go, you got the Jaguars coming in, you got to go at New England, you got your division games, on and on. 
Can a team like this, what's the ceiling for a team like this? We've seen Patriots teams get to Super Bowls with uh, 32nd, uh, 31st, 30th ranked defenses. What's kind of the ceiling for this Chiefs team do you see going forward? Well, that's, that's a, they're not the Patriots, that's for sure. Um, I, I think they're a lot closer to the, the 98 Vikings um, who had Randy Moss, Chris Carter, and Randall Cunningham, that whole group, and a really prolific offense that went 15-1. I don't think this team's going to go 15-1, but they had a had a really suspect defense, and they played a lot like this team plays, where they just would go get after you aggressively on offense, throw the ball down the field, score a ton of points. That team set the record for most points in the season at the time, and this team had the potential to do that. And they're also helped by the fact that the AFC is a really murky mess right now. Pittsburgh has a lot of issues, not to diminish what the Chiefs did against them, but that team is in is a train wreck right now. It's a hot mess <laughs> right now. It's a lot of every time you look around, there's headlines coming out of that place. And then New England is. I saw them in Week One. I was at the Houston Patriots game, and and they they're flawed too. I mean, they have a lot of problems on offense as far as receivers go. They just traded for Josh Gordon. So that helps them out, but they're not as strong as they once were. And you saw that last week against Jacksonville. So if you had said Jacksonville, if you had said New England and Pittsburgh were going to be flawed teams at the start of this year, I would have said, well, that gives the Chiefs a better chance to make a dent. And that's still the case for me. I think, I still think they're a nine and seven team, but they could play their way into being 12 and four just because of bad competition and that offense. Well, you mentioned the Jags and the Patriots. They played. The Jaguars won. Are the Jags the best team in the AFC right now, or do we still expect the Patriots at the end of the day to be there where they always are in the AFC Championship game, winning, going to a Super Bowl, especially with the new addition of Josh Gordon? Yeah, I think if you ask me right now to say who's the, the best team, I would say Jacksonville. And you might make a case for them being the best team in the NFL right now because um, they've, got the, they've got a great defense. Uh, the way Blake Bortles played against New England – this past week going down the field making plays against a, a defense that was really challenging him and not having Leonard Fournette healthy um, they've got enough to get back to where they were last year and the question is just can they can they avoid the kind of drama that, that Pittsburgh's going through right now because they've had their own share of issues um, within that locker room but uh, I, I would say that yeah Jacksonville I, I think Pittsburgh will be there at the end when Flavion Bell comes back to the mix. He has to play at some point to get, you know, to get his year of free agency going towards free agency. And I think New England will figure it out. The teams that really people should be kind of concerned about Denver is better than, they, than people thought they were going to be. Um, uh, Cincinnati is better than people thought they were going to be. Cleveland, Baltimore, all those teams are on this team schedules too. This team schedule too. Well, Jeff, you know, this all kind of gets me thinking about just how teams are constructed in today's NFL. And, uh, you know, you look at uh, the fact that there's 84 points scored in the Super Bowl between the Eagles and Patriots. Um, you go back, so you have to go back to 2015 with that uh, Broncos team that was had such an elite defense and had Peyton Manning just handing the ball off, uh, winning a Super Bowl that way. To me, it almost seems like that's the harder way to win now versus just, you know, with the rules favoring the offense, with receivers that can't be touched, with quarterbacks that can't even be sacked now almost legally. Well, do, what do you think about just the way that teams are constructed and how, okay, you know, we talk about a Chiefs team, you, you talked about them maybe getting 9-7, and seven, but, you know, why not become an elite team? That that team you were talking about the, with the Vikings was 15-1, and one, and, uh, you know, with the way things are constructed, you know, why not a team like the Chiefs, become, you know, coming out with an elite record here? 
Uh, again, it's possible. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm just saying it's a lot harder for it to happen because at some point, and right now everything is looks great, but at some point teams are going to start game planning more for Mahomes and they're going to start seeing more game tape of him and start figuring out more of what Andy's doing with the offense. And yeah, remember last year this team was 5-0 and and then they went, they lost six or seven games. Yeah, yeah. And it came out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> and they were, they, they only had one less, they, they had a different quarterback, but they only had one less weapon as far as Sammy Watkins. So um, they will have their lows offensively and that's when you have to have your defense be able to make plays. Uh, I mentioned that 98 Vikings team, they still were like the 13th best team in the NFL defensively. Um, so this team may very well end up being the best offense in the history of football and the best, the worst defense in the history of football in the same <laughs> it's year. It's trending that way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's, it's quite possible um, that it could happen. Uh, so that that's what scares me. Um, I think what they what, what the positives, though, defensively, is that they are they're getting timely plays. Um, I think just having... You know, early stops gives their offense a chance to get going. D Ford has been playing pretty well. Kendall Fuller's been what we thought he was going to be. Um, so those those things are good. But I, 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 they could go out this week and get beat just because their defense is that bad. And, and that's that's a hard thing to, to figure out. Like they literally, as good as they've been offensively, as as explosive and as impressive as they've been, they haven't made a turnover yet. You know, that's going to happen. <laughs> you know, they have game with when somebody fumbles the ball. Um, well, actually, had one turnover. Kind of had a fumble uh, last week, but yeah. they could have a big fumble. They've only had two sacks, so you know they get injuries like they had last year when Mitch Morris went down and Duvernay Tardif went down. Now the line's vulnerable. Like things happen, and, and so that's the thing. I think I think I'm a lot more optimistic about what they could be. But I still think knowing what happens over the course of a season, even when weather comes into play in November, December, that's going to affect the way they're playing football right now. Jeff, uh, we're only two weeks in here, but we've already talked about one front runner for MVP and Patrick Mahomes. Let's go to the other one. Fitzmagic, Ryan Fitzpatrick with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, <laughs> having a great start to the season. But Tampa Bay, they play Pittsburgh Monday night. If that's a tight game or they win it, Jameis Winston comes back in week four. Do they go back to him? Do they stay with Fitzmagic? What do we, what do, we do here? You know, I, I would assume that, you know, Dirk Cutter's been there for a couple years, and they were a very big disappointment last season. They're supposed to do a lot of big things and wound up being a 4-12 and team. I can't imagine that knowing that jobs are on the line here, that they would take a chance with James Winston coming back in that lineup if Ryan Fitzpatrick has another 400-yard, 3-4 touchdown day. You, you, that place would just explode. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, Mike Evans, O.J. Howard, you know, all those players. Because Ryan Fitzpatrick, for better or for worse, he's not your long-term answer. But just as you saw with the Vikings last year, with Case Keenum and Teddy Bridgewater, you got to ride a hot hand. <laughs> and if the guy, it, it'd be different if they were, you know, 2-0 and and he had thrown for 250 yards one game and 225 the next, and maybe he had three touchdowns. But he's dominating teams. <laughs> You know, in a way that I've never expected him to do. And so they can always go back to Winston. But I would think if they beat Pittsburgh and they're 3-0 and in a division that is the toughest in football for my money, you gotta you got to keep him in there. Yeah, but uh, once again, we're seeing a New England disciple move to a new location, try to bring the New England formula there. Matt Patricia's just having a horrible time of it. When are we going to give up on this experiment? Romeo Cornell, Eric Mangini, Josh McDaniels, I could go on and on. 
Yeah, and people never really learn, do they? Um, <laughs> and I, I, look, I, I thought Bill O'Brien would be the best of the bunch, and I saw him coach that first game in New England. He looked, he looked like made Deshaun Watson look like he didn't know what he was doing out there. Like he was Ray Charles playing quarterback. <laughs> Just couldn't see any, couldn't see anything. You know, couldn't see open receivers, couldn't throw the ball. But uh, yeah, I do agree. I'm a Lions fan, so I, you know, have a, a really sour taste in my mouth for what's happening. I, I like Jim Caldwell, what he had done for that franchise, and thought he had them on the right track. Um, and sort of bring in Patricia and to see them play the way they did. You're supposed to be a defensive guy. You're playing against a team that you've seen multiple times over the course of your, your, your career in New England and the Jets. You give up 48 points <laughs> the first yeah. week of the season. Um, not a good sign. Um, and then you play a quarterback the second week who you saw for three years in, or four years in New England, and Jimmy Garoppolo, and you can't stop him. So I I don't think it's going to end well, But and I agree with you. I think – Everybody thinks they can find Bill Belichick um, in, a, in an assistant to him, but you're only getting a, a clone and a whole bunch of bad news to go with it. Well, before we let you go, we've got uh, the 0-2 Nebraska Cornhuskers coming in to take on your Michigan Wolverines here this weekend. Nebraska could fall to 0-3 for the first time in over 60 years. They've got to go to the big Whoa. house to take on your Wolverines. What's your thoughts so far on, on Michigan? Obviously a tough loss week one to Notre Dame, but things looking up for Jim Harbaugh and the boys, and what do you see going the rest of the way? And uh, hopefully putting uh, putting some hard times on Scott Frost and the Cornhuskers this weekend. <laughs> Yeah, I guess the, that love story's over now. Uh, homecoming, homecoming was short for Scott Frost, who I, who I think will do good things in Nebraska. Uh, but I, I, look, Michigan had a tough first game against Notre Dame. People in Ann Arbor were going nuts, thinking this is here we go again. But Notre Dame's a good team. It's tough to play good teams the first week out in college football. You don't have a preseason to get prepared for these games, so. Um, they have a good quarterback in Shea Patterson, which is all that really matters. Uh, that's the big difference. They have a guy who can make plays down the field. They have a great defense. I, I expect they will win this game. They'll win a few more games, and they have to run this gauntlet where they'll play Wisconsin, Michigan State, Penn State, and then Ohio State, Ohio State at the end of the year. So those are going to be the games that will, will determine their fate. But right now, they're, they're getting better in a hurry. They have a lot of talent down there, and as long as they have a good quarterback, like Harbaugh will be fine. Well, Jeffrey Chidia, we always appreciate the time. Uh, Chiefs fans, definitely head over to NFL.com to check out his latest article, Patrick Mahomes, Chiefs offense cover for woeful defense and win. Hopefully we get another adjective for this defense here as we go forward. And yeah. woeful, and we'll see what happens from there, Jeff. We always appreciate it, man. Uh, thanks so much, and uh, we always enjoy your work, my friend. All right, guys, thank you. Take care. Thanks always a lot. An honor. Thanks. Well, big thanks to NFL.com's Jeffrey Chidia, as always. We bother him, like, once or twice a year, and he never says no. He's probably, you know, he's just a great guy, great friend of the show. He's one of those guys that just never says no. I had to learn very early in life to say no to a lot of things. Like, hey, do you want to work today or cover a shift this weekend? Or standing no. out at a tailgate, everyone coming by. Excuse me, excuse me. Just uh, No, I'm out, I'm out. Just You can have the spot. I yeah, well, uh, the Grove in Ole Miss was too much for you know thirty plus year olds to bear. If I was still eighteen, the Grove would be the place for me. You've got every single girl that walks by looks like a Miss America contestant. Uh, but man, in my thirties, knowing you don't have a chance with any of them, you're just kind of like, man, and it's wall to wall people, and I'm claustrophobic, and it just it's wow. not for everybody. Some people see those women and they just walk by. They look like zombies, like they'd rather be anywhere else in the world, uh, which is unbelievable. I mean, I, I just had to really. You take that in, you take that experience in, which is what we did. But man, as we get into college football this week, of course, we mentioned at the top, we got Steve Levy coming up to talk about this Missouri Georgia game. Can't have a you know offer a prediction because he'll be calling the game for ESPN at 11 a.m. Which, by the way. 
rough start time. I don't know who this favors. This seems like this had prime time written all over it. Six o'clock SEC network game, maybe even college game day. Maybe the networks didn't think this would be much of a game. Georgia is a hefty two-touchdown favorite. Yeah, I think Alabama A&M is a 3.30 Eastern game. So yeah, you get Because the two th- that might be a night game, too, but n- neither of them are. CBS wanted that slot. I get yeah. it. A&M, I think w- we saw A&M, obviously, week two at Clemson, which is the best game we've been to so far, and it was unbelievable to be there and to really take in everything at, um, in Aggie Land at Kyle Field. And 104,000 attended that game against Clemson. 30,000 for the Aggie yell the night, yeah, midnight s- Aggie yell the night you before. You see what, what – and it, to me, what uh, what – A&M, what surprises me most about A&M, I, I think Kellen Mond's doing a good job. I think they have a good offense. I think Jimbo Fisher, though, is creating a balanced football team. You saw that, that defense, what that defense did against uh, the, the very powerful and potent Clemson offense, holding them to 28 points, nearly getting a win there. They're going to have to go on the road to Alabama, but you know what? Um, I remember a guy named Johnny Menzel going into Alabama in 2012 to Tuscaloosa to a top-five team, getting a win there. I'm not putting it past the I'm not going to predict it. You saw what Alabama is. We saw it firsthand. Oh, my gosh. We were in the press box watching Ole Miss-Alabama. We saw Ole Miss score, Seven score nothing. first. 7-0. Touchdown came right to me. And, and then just Bama ran rough shot over him the rest of the people game. People in the press box, guys, were gasping. I've never seen anything like that, where people are just watching in disbelief what they're seeing. Jerry Judy, to me, is the best receiver in college football. He's the next. I mean, Calvin Ridley. He's the next. Amari Cooper. Yeah, you you name it. Julio Jones. Jones, You you, you name it. That's what I see out of Jerry Judy. Different player, more shifty. Yeah, absolutely. Than some of those guys. Didn't have the the, you know the size of you know Julio Jones, but along you know this this is Alabama lineage now of of great receivers. Two is playing as good as he's a Heisman front runner right now to me. Oh, absolutely. But I, I, I'm, I was kind of shocked at that Texas A&M Clemson game of seeing Mond and how he's developed as a passer. I knew he could run the ball. I, they're playing great defense. I knew they could run the ball with uh, Travion Williams. I just didn't expect Mond to have that kind of arm and accuracy and slicing up Clemson like he did. And so that's going to be something that they're desperately going to need against Bama. Well, we picked the wrong year to be going to all of the SEC football stadiums and going to a game each week. The SEC only has four teams, bummer, in the top ten. Uh, so it's a down no. year for the conference, as many predicted. I'm sure Bob Stoops is happy. No, the, what the SEC's done, look at LSU. That, to me, is the surprise of the conference because they're the only team, that to me, that looks like they can even give Alabama a game, and I think they can do it. They went to Auburn and won and what did Auburn won 13 straight home games? LSU at Ogeron. We talked to Tim Brando about this week one, and he said, we, we, all, I could, all I could say in the interview was, how's the hot seat? When's Coach O going to get fired? And he said, watch out. Caution that. Hold back. LSU is going to have a good team. He likes what he has. You saw the quarterbacks transfer. It hasn't mattered. LSU's defense is nasty. You like what they're getting out of their running game, and they're not, you know, they're not a poor offensive uh, passing football team right now. Love what LSU has. Can't wait to be down there in a couple weeks. Uh, we'll see them against Ole Miss coming up firsthand. And, you know, Florida and Tennessee play on Saturday. Someone's got to win that game, Noah. Someone's got to win. <laughs> Florida has already had their streak snapped against Kentucky. 31 years they had it snapped against Tennessee a couple years ago. But uh, Tennessee just looks dreadful to me, as does Arkansas. I mean, there's some really bad teams in this thing. Yeah, I think Florida's going to come out of that one. And, yeah, Arkansas does look woeful. But going back to LSU, that defense is nasty. It's going to give Alabama fits. But I just don't think they're going to be able to come up with enough points uh, against Alabama. It might be somewhat of a game, a two-score game in there if they're lucky. But I just don't think they can keep up offensively. Yeah, I can't argue there. You saw what Alabama's done through the first three games, uh, averaging, what, 55 points a game. It's unprecedented. And what we're seeing, this might be Alabama's greatest team. 
and I'll tell you, and I'll tell you what. Don't sleep on this being one of the top five teams in college football history when this is all said and done. Oh, and not at all. If they're going to keep going like this, and I don't see any reason they would slow down. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you have like 2001 Miami, 2003, four USC with this incredible amount of NFL talent. You know, it's on Alabama, but they're so incredibly balanced. Nick Saban is just this is just a machine. Uh, Tim Brando in week one said it's bad for college football. Uh, maybe it is, but uh, someone's got to knock these guys off. Uh, we've seen Clemson do it two years ago. We'll see, but we're going to be in Columbia on Saturday, Missouri and Georgia. We're going to be talking to Steve, Steve Levy about that coming up. 60,000 you know, expecting attendance. you got a sellout crowd coming up here. It's Gold Rush for Missouri. You know, we talked about Barry Odom and the fact that he went from 4-8 and eight to 7-5 and five with a six-game winning streak. Missouri's now won nine straight regular season games. Only three other teams uh, have done that. Alabama's not one of them, believe it or not. They lost, of course, in the Iron Bowl last year. Yes. So Missouri is sitting in just in, in royal territory here. But... Obviously, Missouri's wins last year came over the likes of Vanderbilt, Arkansas, UConn, uh, you know, Idaho, and uh, things like that. And then this year, obviously, Tennessee Martin, Purdue, and Wyoming. But this is a statement-type game. We talked about it earlier in the show. You know, we're going to be there. We're going to be covering this game. This is a real big opportunity for us and for our film, for our everything we're doing. Big-time stuff going on in Columbia, Missouri. And for Missouri's sake, my goodness, you, you want to see them show up. Absolutely. Even if they can't win the game, at least keep it close. Make people look at Missouri in a new light and say, wow, they really took Georgia to the rails there. Now, if they can get the win, that's unbelievable. Then you're talking about maybe just a one-loss season and with the, having to play Alabama, that's going to be a loss for everybody, but... Yeah, well, absolutely, it is. Yeah, that's Missouri does have the uh, you know the unfortunate task of of Alabama being on the schedule. Of course, Arkansas is their other team out of the West that you get. Uh, it's unfortunate for Missouri that that's the case because uh, you know Georgia doesn't play Alabama, but they do uh, play. I, 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 Georgia has to play both Auburn and LSU. Okay, so that's not a joke. I mean, that that's probably worse than having to play Alabama because Missouri's only got to. Take the loss once. Georgia's got to show up for both of those games. And uh, so tides could really shift here in the East if Missouri wants to be known as uh, you know the best or and really second best, third best team in the, in the East. This is a big one for them because even if Missouri gets the win, you know it's hard to see anyone other than Georgia being the better team. What Kirby Smart's done there, unprecedented in recruiting. The numbers he's bringing in, the, the quality, the talent he's bringing in is unprecedented. They have the top player in the country sitting on the bench at quarterback, Justin Fields. I, I love what I've seen everything from Kirby Smart. They should have won a national title last year. They should have beat Alabama. It's oh. gonna, they're on a collision course again, man. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if, but if Missouri can get this win and they only lose to Alabama, I, I don't know. Maybe there's a chance. Maybe there's a chance that they can win the East and then have to face Alabama in the SEC championship game, which I know Dang everyone it. wants to do. They're <laughs> looking forward to just get us to that SEC championship game. We can put that feather in our cap, even though we're not going to win it. Yeah, well, it's yeah, it, it's funny to talk. In football, we rarely talk about things being so absolute and such a given. In this case, you're absolutely right, it is. But we want to go ahead and welcome our guest at this time. Uh, it is ESPN's Steve Levy. Steve, welcome to the show. Uh, you've got the call for the Missouri-Georgia game this weekend in Columbia. How's everything going, my friend? Good, how are you? Uh, doing awesome. Thanks so much for joining us this morning, talking about uh, this game. You're obviously already in Columbia. Missouri and Georgia kicks off at 11 a.m. Uh, on Saturday morning. Kind of an odd start time. A lot of people thought this might get the prime time uh, gig, but here we are, 11 a.m., and uh, it's going to be a big one in Columbia for sure. 
Yeah, you know, I, I don't get to pick the start time, but I can assure you I would not choose 11 a.m. either for the start time, uh, local time. So I'm more of a night guy. I'd like to play under the lights. Actually, 3.30 is a great start time uh, in a window, but... Um, you know, I think for Missouri, you want to show off your 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 school. You want to show off uh, your football program. I, I don't think they want to show off the construction of that giant crane in the end zone, but you can't do anything about that until until the start of next season. And here's a chance to you know play the number two team in the country and put on a and put on a good show and show everyone uh, just how much progress uh, this program has made. So, you know, I I think. They're going to be up against it tomorrow. There's, there's no doubt. Uh, the Tigers will have their hands full with the Bulldogs. George is just so supremely talented, really up and down the roster everywhere you look. Well, um, I'm sure you've gotten a chance to to talk with uh, Coach Barry Odom. Four and eight in his first year, seven and five last year. Um, everybody talks about uh, this coaching to make a statement, get a statement win. You know, last year Missouri's wins came against programs that were on the decline, firing coaches. Here we go, the number two Georgia Bulldogs coming to town. Uh, talk about this opportunity and what you see, uh, and, and if you've had a chance to talk to Coach uh, Barry Odom and what uh, he sees, you know, as far as this program going forward and what an opportunity it is for him to get this signature win. Yeah, honestly, we haven't spoken to him yet. Uh, we go over usually Friday afternoon. We go watch some tape at the team's facility, and then we'll meet with the coaching staff, uh, both coordinators and Coach Odom, and, and hopefully get this down with Drew Locke. So uh, for our conversations, they've also, also uh, so far been with Georgia. Uh, we talk with Kirby Smart, obviously, you know, and he's in, he's in a different boat, right? I mean, he's, he's got this established program there. You know, they're a, a, a play or two away from winning the national championship a year ago in Atlanta against Alabama. So... So that's where Coach Odom and, and Mizzou want to be. That's where they want to get to. Uh, this opportunity is in front of them. This is why you play in the SEC. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's the biggest game in Columbia and how long. I'm not sure exactly. I'm not sure how you quantify that. But the opportunity is in front of them, and uh, they better play better defense than they did a week ago against Purdue. Uh, those kind of eye-popping numbers the Boilermakers put up, uh, you know, that, that's not going to – you're not going to win a last-second field goal game against Georgia in that same kind of game. So I think I think Locke has to be near perfect. It would really be helpful if Emmanuel Hall's groin was 100 percent and uh, and no turnovers. I think you know as always the turnover seems to be the big the big key. And uh, a couple of years ago I had a, had a one-point game here, and that was you know that was that was exciting and that was fun for everyone here. Even though Missouri wound up on the wrong side, I, I think they take a one-point game here tomorrow as well. Steve, can you talk about Drew Locke? He's already got over 1,000 yards passing and 11 touchdowns early on in this season. At season's end, people expect him to be a Heisman candidate. Can you talk about just the opportunity he has this Saturday for his Heisman moment? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, you know, the, the Heisman thing is out there. You know, every week we travel someplace, and there's so many different Heisman candidates. You know, and I've heard Locke's name mentioned, but not at the top of that list. But you're right. Here's a chance to elevate yourself meeting Drew Locke and to put himself on top. If you know, if he could come up with, you know, some kind of three hundred yard passing game and a couple touchdowns and no picks and, and and win the game even if it's by point, you know, I mean that that would go a long way towards making all the highlight shows tomorrow and uh, and opening up I think a lot of eyes on what's going on here in Columbia. But you know, Locke says he's matured. I read a lot of the, the quotes from him. He's a he's a different guy. He's certainly more in command. He's certainly more confident and he's you know, he did a little trash talking last week, which I think you know caught some people by surprise. But he thought that's what his team needed, and it worked. And again, they were fortunate last week to get that you know last second field goal for the win. But uh, he's going to have to play near perfect football uh, to to keep Mizzou in the game against Georgia tomorrow. 
well, you know, looking at the Georgia Bulldogs and they lost a lot of talent from the team a year ago, but have not seemed to miss a beat. You look at Jake Fromm completing over 80% of his passes. The running game with Holyfield and Swift and Cook uh, is really going off without a hitch right now. But Georgia, uh, you know, have had to replace a lot on their front seven and, and they haven't been able to get to the quarterback yet. Um, what factor could that play? Uh, Georgia's secondary has a lot of talent in it, but if you can't get to the quarterback, a guy like Drew Locke could really pose a problem for this Georgia defense, couldn't it? So Yeah, but I, th- I think that is somewhat misleading. We did talk to the Georgia defensive coordinator, Mel Tucker, about that. How can this mighty Georgia team have just one sack? It was uh, uh, the senior, DeAndre Walker, had the one sack, and it came in the game against South Carolina. And he said, look, you know, we're not – other teams are not in third and long against us, right? That just doesn't happen against Georgia. So their 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 goal is those great pass rushing situations, a chance to blitz. Um, you know, third and two, you might still run in. So they, they don't get those looks, right? And teams love to to rear back and pin their ears back and all those kinds of things. You know, on third and third and long and. And Georgia has not had that on defense much, those opportunities for the other team's offense. So maybe that sack number is somewhat misleading, but you know they had four picks in the top 35 in the NFL draft from a season ago. Yeah. And then they're really looking to, you know, they've got some people who have been like really patient. Like at the Andre Walker, I mentioned, you have 41 games before ever starting a game. So now, now it's his turn. And, um, you know, Monty Rice is a, is a guy, and Patrick and Jawan Taylor, like they've all waited for their opportunity, and here it is. And, um, you know, this is, it's funny, for, for Missouri tomorrow, this is the big stage against Georgia. I'm not sure Georgia feels the same way going up against Missouri. That'll be reserved for, you know, when they play at LSU or against Auburn later in the season. So, you know, maybe you catch Georgia a little off guard tomorrow, too. That's a possibility. Now, Steve, Georgia almost clipped Alabama last season. But we see what Alabama is doing to its opponents this year. Just an endless barrage that they cannot recover from. Just downing opponents, crushing them into the ground. But it seems like Georgia and Alabama are on a collision course for later this season. What would be your thoughts if those two teams were to meet up down the road? You know, we, we have to see you know down the road what's going to happen. I, it's really possible this Georgia team looks very different uh, come the end of the season. I'm not even sure. I mean, just to tell you, talking about reloading, how much talent they have. I mean. There's a chance that Jake Fromm is not even the starting quarterback come the end of this season. They love this Justin Fields. He's a true freshman, number one dual threat quarterback, number one overall quarterback coming in. They love the way he plays. His uh, his upside, his ceiling is off the charts, out of this planet. And you know, Fromm's completed, as you said, you know, over eighty percent of his passes. But he has to be looking over his shoulder a little bit. Uh, Fromm can say he isn't, but I'm not buying that. And uh, it's get it. I think the season is so young, and we really have not seen uh, Georgia tested. They have not been, you know, they haven't had to play a four quarter game. Fromm's played just seven quarters in the first three games. That's because they're blowing everybody out, scoring more than forty points, and haven't allowed more than seventeen. So I think we still need to see where Georgia is at. I think we know where Alabama is at. But I'll tell you what, I'm sure Georgia is really tired of all those comparisons to Alabama. And the truth is, you can't do anything about it until you face them on the field. And so the next opportunity they have might be again in a playoff or national championship game. You know? Steve, do you have any surprises or disappointments? I think uh, when I look at the East, there's only one team ranked right now. We know what Georgia was going to be. We know what they are. But aside from that, there's a lot of teams fighting to be uh, you know, the second-best team in the East. Is it, is it Missouri? We thought Florida might be better, and, and they lost to Kentucky. Kentucky has an opportunity this weekend against Mississippi State. But when you look at the East, I mean, we've talked about it for years. It's been down. Uh, they finally did win the SEC title last year with Georgia. But uh, where, where do you see this division, and, and do you have any disappointments? 
disappointments about how the, how it's been so far? It's so it's so hard to predict, right? But you know, again, you the East is where you want to be because it is it is so wide open, and and we're waiting, right? We're all sitting back waiting, we're waiting for someone to establish themselves as that second best team, and. Um, Hey, that's what makes it fun, right? That's the reason we do this. That's the reason we watch, uh, see the storylines develop. But no, I don't think there's been a, a clear-cut winner, really, or loser. Uh, I still have a hard time getting over that Florida loss at home to Kentucky after right. 31 years. So uh, we have to wait and see. It's kind of a wait-and-see game. But again, that's that's why it's interesting. If, if we knew already, then uh, there wouldn't be as much fun for anybody. When you look at the West, I think you talk about surprises. To me, it's LSU and what uh, Coach Ogeron has done. I uh, talked to uh, some other people, talked to Tim Brando before the season. He said, hey, pump your brakes on this Coach O on the hot seat. Uh, LSU, he likes what he's got. And my goodness, going on the road to beat Auburn, uh, where they'd won 13 straight home games or, or whatever it was. LSU looks to be very impressive so far. <laughs> Can they stay with Alabama again? You know, That's off in the future. We don't, we don't know that yet. But LSU has got to be an eye-opener right now. Yeah, I'm happy for him. You know, I don't know him personally, Coach O, but he's an easy guy to root for. And, you know, LSU is one of those programs. I think college football is better when LSU is good. And um, quite frankly, I've never, I've never been to an LSU game at home. Uh, I've had them a couple times on the road. Uh, it is on my bucket list. I would love to get a Saturday night game in, in Baton Rouge. That would be so much fun. And uh, and they're more fun when they're winning, and the whole country's paying attention. they got that great energy going on. And, uh, again, that's that's a good thing for college football. Well, I'll tell you what, Steve, uh, 11 a.m., of course, we'll be, uh, be watching the broadcast. You and uh, Brian Greasy uh, just do such a great job, um, and Todd McShay, of course. Uh, I, you know, we're going to have to get you a wake-up call, though. These 11 a.m.s are, are tough. We're going to have to get you a wake-up call early. It's, it's going to be an early one. But the good news is after that, you know, you get some time to watch some of the other games later in the night. So not a, not a bad thing, that, right? That is the advantage. Try to get home and get on the couch and get a chance to watch that uh, Pac-12 after dark game and uh, and see everything that, that's happened. So we get to sort of set the tone. We'll come right out of game day and um, should be in another unbelievable college football Saturday. There are so few of them. We really need to cherish every single one and uh, we're looking forward to it. Man, I couldn't agree more. I live for it every year. So Steve, thanks so much, my friend. Have a great call and we'll uh, talk to you again soon, my friend. Okay, thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks a lot. Great stuff with Steve Levy talking about this Mizzou-Georgia matchup, and I agree with a lot of what he said. I think uh, Missouri's going to have to ha- get a career day out of Drew Locke. It's going to have to be one of those games where you know, he's getting everyone involved. You know, The receivers have been better for Missouri than I thought. You know, Guys like Jonathan Johnson, Emmanuel Hall said to be healthy. You're getting uh, good play from freshmen like Cam Scott, Jalen Knox. I did not see that coming for Missouri. And then in the running game, uh, Roundtree's emerging as Missouri's top running back. Uh, everyone wanted to talk about Demaria Crockett. He's struggled early on. He says he's got to get it going. But uh, between that and freshman Beatty, Tyler Beatty looks great for Missouri. So the running game is going to be big. Obviously, Drew Locke's going to have to have a big game. Defensively, Missouri's going to have to get some stops, man. I, we talked about the Chiefs in the same exact regard. To me, the Chiefs and Tigers are the same football team. They've got a, a first-round pick quarterback. Drew Locke's going to be that. He might be number one overall. Yeah. Cannon of an arm. A good, good offensive weapons. Can score with anyone. But that defense, it's an Achilles Hill. Barry Odom's got to fix this. He's a defensive guy. At some point, he's fired defensive coordinators. He's brought new people in. Yeah, I wonder if it's going to be like uh, our 2003 Chiefs team when they faced Peyton Manning in the playoffs, if it's going to be where we're just hoping for a drop pass, we're just hoping for a fumble, a fumbled snap, some sort of mistake on the other team's part because we have no chance at stopping them on our own talent, our own skill, our own scheme. 
But we talk about Drew Locke having to have a big game, and they talk about Heisman moments. You're going to have to have a Heisman moment if you're going to be that Heisman Trophy winner. If you're going to be a candidate, a serious candidate, to win the trophy, you're going to have to have a Heisman moment. This is Drew Locke's chance to have that Heisman moment. Knocking off Georgia, solidifying them as the top team in the East, and saying, we're here, other than Alabama that we got to play. We're going to sweep the East, and we're going to the SEC Championship game. This is going to be my Heisman moment. There's always that caveat, isn't there? Well, it's going to be interesting to to see. Um, (laughs) You know, we've covered Drew Locke since he was in high school. We were there when he committed to the University of Missouri. We've been there. We've been Good friends with the Locke family, with Drew's dad Andy. Uh, great rapport. It was a pleasure covering him. It's it's going to be great to be there on Saturday. Man, we'll be there at the 11 a.m. kickoff, which means we get a. Uh, just by the way, check your phone because uh, I've got I've got your alarm set for um, 7 a.m., which will I'll be picking you up and we'll be heading down there about 7 a.m. Uh, ready that, for that? That's funny. I had it set to nine, but. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So it's seven. Okay. It's going to be an early one. But the good news is we get to go to this great game, get to be on the sidelines, get to be in the press box, and then. Assuming I'm awake. Hopefully, home in time to catch the nightcap of the of the college football action of the slate. So this is a win win for us. It's like a week off for us, and it's going to be amazing. I'm so excited to be there. Uh, big thanks to our guests, uh, Jeff Chidea, NFL.com, and uh, Steve Levy from ESPN. Guys, everything we do, uh, head to our website, GASNsports.com. Of course, we talked about our film, Saturday Supremacy, SaturdaySupremacy.com. You can find all the social medias there. It's just a lot of lot of words trying to get them all out there. Twitter, at GASN Sports. <laughs> we love the interaction. Yeah, you can find that on the website. But I'm going to tell you right here and right now, obviously, you can catch us on iTunes. Yes, iTunes exclusively. This is an iTunes. You know, it's now Apple Podcasts, but under the iTunes branch. Yep. Exclusive right there. If you're an Android user, download the DoublePod app, and you can get all the iTunes podcast, including the Elite Sports Podcast, so just search it out, subscribe. We'll get you every week. Thanks so much for joining us. We will be back again next week as our travels take us down to LSU, so we're hopefully going to be meeting up with our friend Tim Brando. And Kristen. We can't forget Kristen Boudreaux. Got to meet up with her. We are excited for that tailgate. Kristen Boudreaux, the best Cajun food in the world. It's right down there in Baton Rouge, and we're heading down there to see you guys next weekend.